You know what? I think I'm ready for a lasting relationship now. I'm, I'm really done with all this dating stuff. His name's Jason. He's not really my type, but he's funny. Well, whatever. We'll see where it goes. I love you. He loves me? I don't think I'm ready to say it yet. Okay. Let's do it. Let's move in together. Sarah, you're missing one piece of jewelry. Will you marry me? Yes. Yes. Oh, planning this thing is so much harder than I thought it was going to be. What? 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 Herpes? How? Now what? Where do I go from here? Who would love me now? I guess I'll just stay. For better or for worse. La, 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 la. Hello and welcome to Big Lash Energy. I'm your host, Jaina Marie. This week, we're doing part two of For Better or For Worse Almost Killed Her. Oh, the trilogy about Sarah's story of love and loss. You know, I heard a quote not too long ago and it said, when you ignore all the signs, you'll end up at the wrong destination. And I feel like that really applies to Sarah's story. Last week, we listened as she seemed to ignore sign after sign, and now she's landing in Mexico for her wedding, despite having said that she wanted a wedding in the Philippines, where her family was. When we left off, she was in the middle of planning the Mexico wedding that her fiancé wanted and had just been diagnosed with herpes, despite having been loyal to him for the past seven years. We asked the question, is that enough? Is it enough disrespect for you to walk away? But between her fears of not wanting to be in the dating world with an SDI and not wanting to let her family down, her answer was, unfortunately, no, it wasn't bad enough. This week, we pick up the story as we land in Mexico, where she and I met for the first time. In this episode, you're going to hear how Sarah's situation just kept getting worse and worse. And you know what? It's all leading up to next week's conclusion and gigantic WTF moment. Again, before I get started, I'm going to ask that you open your mind and remember that while you may not agree with some of her decisions, there's really no way to know what you would do if you were in the same situation with your own set of fears, insecurities, and feelings. Okay, so enough with the fine print. It's time to put on something cozy and get ready for one of the most epic stories of love and loss that I've ever heard. Part two, in sickness and in health. Welcome to Big Lash Energy, dedicated to helping you navigate life's hurdles with your head held high. We're celebrating wins, learning from our losses, and laughing at ourselves along the way. Now here's your favorite hype woman, Jaina Marie. Jaina Marie. As I mentioned last week, Sarah and I sat down for three hours and talked about this story together. As we recapped over her wedding trip, we came to the conclusion that it started off shitty for everyone. First of all, I was flying with my ex-husband, R. Even though we were going to work on her wedding, it was also the week of our third anniversary. Our first two anniversaries were massive letdowns, so I should have had really low to no expectations, but for some reason, I was hanging on to hope that there might still be a chance for romance. Our flight itinerary was that we were supposed to go from Vancouver to Toronto, and then Toronto to Cancun. But when we landed in Toronto, we were told that the flight to Cancun had been overbooked. My ex freaked out on everyone there, which I don't handle very well. 
And in an attempt to get him to calm down, they put us on a flight to Mexico City, which I guess was supposed to help us feel like we were at least making progress. But when we landed, we'd already missed the connecting flight to Cancun. And we're now stuck in the Mexico City airport overnight with all the restaurants and services closed. For some reason, my ex blamed me and wouldn't stop talking about how much he already hated the trip and wished that he'd never agreed to shooting the wedding, which my heart translated to, I don't care about our anniversary and I don't want to be here with you. So, as I'm sure you can imagine, I was fighting back tears most of the time. Ah, love. Meanwhile, Sarah's crew had a major holdup in their airport as they were getting through customs, which meant that they were exiting the terminal a solid two hours later than they planned. This meant that the shuttles they'd booked to take them to the resort had gone already, and they were now stranded with all the wedding guests having no way to get there. From the second the plane landed, Jason's only concern was getting wasted. Immediately, as soon as he realized that their rides had gone, he piped up and said, This is fucked up. I can't believe the shuttles aren't here, babe. I gotta go. He wanted to take a taxi with his friends to the resort so they could get the party started while she stayed back and tried to organize all their wedding guests. Again, it felt like he was abandoning her at a difficult time. Here, she was trying to answer everyone's questions and find a solution to their problems, and all he wanted to do was peace out and go party. She started to cry out of frustration and embarrassment. This was not how she imagined the start of her wedding week. Eventually, they figured out a way to get some shuttles to take them to the resort. Things started looking up as they loaded their stuff in and took their seats. Now, the drive from the airport to the resort was about 45 minutes, but 30 minutes in, her shuttle got a flat tire. Shit. Shit. The other bus stopped too because they were from the same company. And as the wedding crew unloaded and waited in the sun on the side of the road for someone to come help, Jason lost what tiny shred of patience he'd been saving and decided it would be a good time to dip into the alcohol that they'd packed for the wedding. Sarah started to ask herself, what was he going to do next to disappoint her? They waited so long that they ended up drinking all the Grey Goose that they packed. And Sarah knew that they were going to need more. So since my ex and I were stuck in Toronto at the time, she reached out and asked us to buy as much Grey Goose as we could on our way. So we purchased as much as we could there, but once we landed in Mexico City, we had to go through security again, and they took it all away from us, and we had to rebuy it, which gave my ex another excuse to temper tantrum on me. Yay! Happy anniversary! (laughs) The party started before they even got to the resort, and it didn't stop for four days. By the second day, Sarah had moved out of her room to stay with her friend because Jason's drinking was so bad. He'd activated party boy mode and could not be stopped. Instead of making a big deal out of it, Sarah shifted focus and went to every wedding appointment by herself. It's not exactly what she'd imagined. Of all the destination weddings I've ever done, and it's been a lot, I've never seen a groom party as hard as Jason did. I remember seeing him when I was relaxing beside the pool and thinking, damn, he's damn, going hard. He's going hard. I hadn't met Sarah yet, but I'd figured she had to be the most understanding bride. But it turns out she was just keeping herself distracted with her friends and trying to pull all the details together on her own. Sarah gave Jason one task to do the entire trip. All he had to do was reserve the honeymoon suite for the night before the wedding. When she reminded him, he brushed her off and finally everything she'd been bottling up inside of her came out. She cried, you know what? You know what? I don't want to get married anymore. And he apologized profusely. 
Again, this is not how she imagined her wedding week going. Well, the couple were reunited the night before their wedding. They had the honeymoon suite booked and were enjoying the room and getting ready for the big day. Sarah was busy steaming her dress and noticed that Jason was really distracted. What's wrong? He said, you know what? I think I'm just going to go for a bit. She said, where? He goes, I want to meet up with Adam. Sarah knew that Adam was the friend who had all the cocaine. This son of a bitch really wanted to leave her the night before their wedding to go and do blow. She had a pretty good idea of how that would end up going. So she asked him, are you sure? Are you sure that's smart? Like the night before our wedding? This trip isn't just a chance for you to party, you know, it's about us. And he said, all right, you know what? You're right. And he poured himself a drink and sat down. But she knew it was only because he felt he had to, not because he wanted to. Finally, the wedding day arrived and with it, so did the rain. Sarah's bridesmaids were slowly showing up to the bridal suite and the talk of the morning was the weather forecast. The hotel's event coordinator called Sarah's room and asked, we need you to make a call. Should we move your ceremony to beside the bar indoors? Sarah thought for a second and decided, I didn't come to Mexico to get married beside a bar. If it rains, we get wet. It's not for that long anyways. I came here to get married on a beach. Who cares if it gets a bit messy? Lots of things went wrong for Sarah. One of them being that she'd ordered her wedding dress online and hadn't tried it on yet for a really long time before they got there. And then when she did, she realized the morning of the wedding that it didn't fit. So she had to wear a belt to keep it up. But a couple of things went really, really right. One of them was that the clouds cleared and she ended up with the most beautiful sunshine just in time for the ceremony. The other thing that went right, according to her, was me. (laughs) Remember how in part one I said that I thought I was being hired to be the makeup artist, but that wasn't the case? Well, while I was interviewing Sarah for this episode, she told me how I ended up in Mexico and it came as quite a shock to me because I was told a very different story. So as I mentioned, my ex told me that he was going to tell her that his wife was the best makeup artist in the city. He was going to send her my website and all of that, except that was not the case. Sarah told me that after he agreed to shoot their wedding, he hit her up a couple days later saying that he realized he would be missing his anniversary. He asked if I could join them and Sarah said, yeah, of course, since you're shooting my wedding, I'll pay for your wife to join you. That way you can have a little anniversary getaway together as your payment. She had no idea that I'd been doing makeup professionally for the past decade and specialized in weddings. So she hired someone else to do makeup and hair for her wedding. A couple of weeks before the wedding, my ex reached out to her and said, oh, hey, you know, my wife does some makeup sometimes. Would you like her to help out a bit? Between all the bridesmaids and family, Sarah had a big group. So she thought, sure, why not? The more help, the better. Now, here's where it gets funny. So Sarah, being the incredible self-sacrificing human that she is, had no idea if I was good or not and didn't want to gamble with me, the, you know, no name makeup artist on her bridesmaids and having them potentially be really unhappy. So she decided that since she didn't want any of them to get stuck with me, she would have me do her makeup. She also wanted me to do two of the other girls that she thought would be easy. Now, I had no idea that she thought I was a bargain basement friend coming to help, but apparently when I walked into the room on her wedding day, one of her bridesmaids recognized me and freaked out. She said, oh my gosh, that's Jana Marie. What's she doing here? Sarah said, oh, she's 
married to our videographer. She's just here to help. The bridesmaid said, uh, she's a local celebrity makeup artist. She's literally always booked. How did you get her? So next thing you knew, the bridesmaids were all trying to trade to be in my chair. I didn't know any of this until we spoke recently. Sarah said, well, I just figured you might not know what you were doing since you were only charging me $30 per face. (laughs) I said, you were my husband's friend. I was just trying to be nice. I was charging you $30 just to cover the lashes. Essentially, I was doing it for free as my wedding gift to you. It was a funny misunderstanding, but also cute because she was rewarded for caring so much about the happiness of her friends. And I had one more reminder that the person I was married to once wasn't nearly as supportive behind my back as he wanted me to believe. But anyways, we had a wonderful time together in the morning. She looked stunning, but it was also super distracting having my husband there shooting the video, especially because now I was very invested in Sarah's wedding and I knew that he had no business filming it. As I worked, I kept one eye on him and I'd offer suggestions like, uh, did you get a creative shot of the rings, babe? And he'd ask, what do you mean? And that's when I thought, oh, right. Wedding wings aren't really a thing on porn sets. As far as he and I were concerned, it didn't feel like an anniversary trip at all. I'd been concerned that we hadn't had sex on our first two anniversaries, and he didn't seem interested at all in it, even in Mexico on our third anniversary. And when I brought it up, he said, well, are we going to make a baby or what? I was so hurt that it seemed that he didn't want to connect with me physically at all unless it was to procreate, and I cried myself to sleep. Looking back now, I realize that this was the beginning of the end of our relationship. And I know this story is about Sarah and not me, but it is going to matter later on in the story. After eight months of being newlyweds, Sarah and Jason made a trip to the Philippines and called it their honeymoon getaway. There, her family surprised them with a little celebration. She appreciated their efforts so much because she never got to get married there like she wanted. The trip was great. They got along well, they had a great time, and made so many beautiful memories together. They came home in April, and then in June, Jason was packing his bags again. But this time, he was going away with a friend on a trip to Las Vegas. He'd won a seat in a poker tournament, and Sarah encouraged him to go, but had no idea that this trip was going to change their lives forever. Whenever either of them traveled, they kind of did their own thing. They didn't really check in a lot because they trusted that they were trying to enjoy themselves. And that was especially true when Jason traveled for gambling because Sarah didn't want to interrupt a game or do something that he might deem as bad luck. But on this trip, she never heard a word from him the second he left. This might not have been that crazy, except that none of his WhatsApp messages that she'd sent him had even been delivered. He took being accessible really seriously because he had a daughter and he never wanted Sarah to be worried about him. So this set off alarm bells in her head. She sent another message. Are you okay? And she waited. Still nothing. She started to panic and didn't know what to do. She called the hotel he was staying at and they put her through to Jason's room and his friend Mike answered. Hello? Hey, it's Sarah. Sorry, I wouldn't normally call the hotel, but none of Jason's WhatsApp messages are going through. Mike hesitated for a bit. She could tell the bro code was getting in the way of him saying what he really wanted to say was happening. Finally, he let it out. You know what? I haven't seen Jason in four days. What? This wasn't like him. He was the kind of guy who always had to be showered and in fresh clothes. And he also was very careful to get his money's worth if he'd done something like pay for a hotel room. And knowing he hadn't been on his phone or to the hotel room that he'd paid for had her imagination going crazy. 
Her train of thought was interrupted by Mike's voice on the phone. I called all the jails. He's not in any of them. When Sarah told me this part of the story, I had to laugh a little. It says something pretty special about a guy if the first place his friends check when he goes missing is jail. I can't say that's the first place anyone's ever looked for me, but clearly his friend knew how reckless Jason could be when he was drunk. Sarah had no idea what to do from Vancouver. She felt powerless. She decided she needed to get down to the bottom of it. So she told Mike, don't worry, I'll fly there and we can figure this out together. Next, Sarah called her best friend and told her that Jason was missing. She couldn't believe the words that were coming out of her own mouth. How could this even be happening? She tried her best not to think the worst. She was in the middle of getting her stuff ready at work so that she could leave to go to Las Vegas when another friend called and interrupted her. We found Jason. (gasps) Oh, thank God. Where is he? He's in the hospital. In a coma. In a coma? In Las Vegas? Sarah couldn't think straight. She was bewildered. She got into her car, drove the 20 minutes to her home, and as she pulled up, she realized she'd been completely checked out the entire way. The whole drive was a blur. By the time she'd arrived, her girlfriends were all already waiting there, with flights booked for her, her sister, and his daughter, a bag packed and a plan for someone to watch her bunny. While telling me this story, she looked back so fondly at that moment and everything that her friends did for her at the time. They really pulled through. She said, My friends are amazing. In that moment, it felt like together... We could rule the world. There's nothing we couldn't make happen. The three ladies, Sarah, her sister, and Jason's daughter, landed in Las Vegas and didn't waste any time getting to the hospital. They raced through the maze of hallways to get to his room, and when they finally arrived, everything stopped. Sarah held her breath. There he was, hooked up to machines, in an induced coma, oblivious to her presence. She stared at his body, lying like a lump under the covers, his eyes closed, a tube in his mouth, and his chest rising and falling to the sound of beeps. What happened? Her eyes filled with tears. She asked the doctors, but they didn't have any answers for her. They only knew that he had trauma to his head and needed to be monitored very closely. Mike came to visit at the hospital, and when he saw Sarah, he handed her a bag. He said, These are some of the things that Jason left in our room. Sarah dug around in the bag and paused as soon as her fingers felt the curve of Jason's wedding ring. She pulled it out of the bag. This son of a bitch had his wedding ring off? Mike caught on to what she must have been thinking and said, Oh, yeah, I told him to take his ring off before we went in the pool. I said, Better be safe than sorry. Sarah would kill you if you lost that thing. She rolled her eyes. She thought, Nice try, Mike. It is what it is. For three days, she stayed there, waiting for him, wondering how he'd got there. Can you imagine? She had no idea what happened, except that her husband, of only eight months, took off his ring and disappeared with only a few hours of getting to Las Vegas and was found in a coma with a major head injury? During our interview, I asked Sarah to remember back to that time and tell me what she was thinking. Why did she stay? She knew he was a cheater because he'd already given her an STI and he had his ring off at the time of the accident. The fact that she was still there standing in that hospital room and not unplugging the life support made her a much better person than me. She said, you know what? I think I kept looking at the man who was unconscious and incoherent thinking, if you die and I don't get a chance to experience a better version of you, 
our time together and all the struggle that I'd been through would have been for nothing. So you better wake up. I asked, so you were cheering for his potential to be better in the future? She said, yeah, I guess I was cheering for a clean slate. I was cheering for me. I didn't want to be the fool who wasted eight years of her life, dealt with all his crap, contracted an STI, and planned a wedding in Mexico for a man who never ended up being worthy of her. I said, so you wanted to get a return on your investment? She said, precisely. On the third day of her visit, Jason was brought out of his coma. As he slowly came to and looked around, It was as if he had to convince his eyes to focus while he scanned the room. Searching for something, anything familiar, his glance stopped at Sarah. She was standing beside his bed with his daughter, but he didn't react to seeing them at all. Sarah put one hand on his arm and said, Hi, babe. And he looked confused. It was clear he didn't recognize anyone. The doctors had explained that he'd had experienced trauma to the head, but she didn't know that meant that he would wake up a completely different person. Because he seemed so confused, she asked him, do you know what year it is? He very matter-of-factly said, yeah, 1997. (gasps) His daughter gasped. No wonder he didn't react to seeing them. If it was 1997 in his head, he He wouldn't have have met them yet. He went back to looking around the room and asked, am I in a hotel in California? Sarah hung her head. This was so much worse than she'd imagined. Somehow, Jason had ended up with a brain fracture on his skull, and the head injury not only affected his long-term memory, but also his mobility. He couldn't walk, he had no coordination, he couldn't even wipe his own ass. Sarah's sister and Jason's daughter went home, but Sarah stayed, taking care of him, helping him in the bathroom, doing memory exercises, making sure he'd eaten, and after days, she asked him something she wasn't sure she wanted the answer to. Do you know who I am? He said, yes. Of course, you're You're my my nurse. Can you imagine? Someone you'd been with for seven years, someone you'd built a life with, loved, held, someone who knew all your fears and insecurities, someone you'd only just married eight months ago, now having no idea who you were. All of their memories together, their nights out, their nights in, the kisses, the surprise vacations, the proposal, All of it. Gone. Gone. What was worse was that there was no longer love behind his eyes when he looked at her. But she remembered. She'd promised to stay beside him in sickness Sickness. and in health. health. So every night she laid on a cot beside his bed, trying to sleep, but mostly drowning in thoughts of what would happen next. How could they make this better? And every new day when the sun came up, she'd get up, get herself ready with the hopes that she could make him fall in love with her all over again. Each morning, she'd stand beside his bed and ask him if he knew who she was. He'd take a guess and she'd say, close. He had no idea they were married. His eyes stayed empty. Nothing was jogging his memory at all. Finally, one afternoon while he was taking a nap, it came to her. (gasps) The wedding video footage. If she could get a hold of that, she could show Jason the beautiful wedding that they'd had on the beach, the way he looked at her with love, how he cried when he saw her in the wedding dress. Maybe, maybe if he saw all of that, it would spark his memory or help him feel more comfortable with her. She 
had to try. She grabbed the phone that was on the windowsill beside her and immediately looked up my ex's contact. She called him, and when he answered, he did his typical, Hey, sis, so nice to hear from you. He really liked to make sure everyone felt like he was their best friend. She briefly explained what had happened to Jason, and R sounded very concerned. She said, I know our wedding video hasn't been edited yet, but if you don't mind, could you send me just any clip at all, even if it's raw, of Jason and I at the altar? I really want to show him our wedding so that he can believe me when I tell him who I am. R said, oh my gosh, yes, I'll do anything to help. She hung up the phone, excited that she'd found something that might do the trick, but he never sent anything and she never heard from him again. Tired of waiting, she pulled a Hail Mary and reached out to me. She told me their story. She said that Jason had no idea who she was and that R wasn't getting back to her. Was there any way that I could get him to send her something? My heart sank. I felt terrible for her. She'd paid for both of our trips, sent a thank you card and given us each a gift certificate for free spa services and had nothing to show for it. She couldn't even get a response from him. I wanted to help her so bad. But as I said, her wedding, now nine months before then, had been the start of the end of our relationship. R and I weren't together anymore. I wanted to help, so I sent him a text anyways, but he brushed me off too and still never sent anything to her. To this day, he's never sent her any wedding footage. A week had gone by with Sarah's main focus being Jason's well-being. He couldn't walk to the bathroom by himself, he couldn't wipe himself, and many times, even the simplest of tasks were so frustrating it could end in tears. The days felt long, and it didn't help that she was barely sleeping. After a week had gone by, one of the hospital staff came to her and asked if they could talk. He very matter-of-factly pulled up an invoice and let her know that their hospital tab was now at over two hundred thousand dollars Canadian and climbing every day. She scanned the list of charges and saw that on the first day he was admitted, they did three CT scans of his brain that totaled twenty thousand dollars each. So that meant that when her plane landed, she was already over sixty thousand dollars in debt and had no idea. While the numbers were overwhelming, Sarah thought for a second and said, I'm sure we have some sort of insurance that will cover all of this. And that's when the doctor broke the news. He said, unfortunately, there were such high levels of alcohol in Jason's blood that he won't be covered by insurance. She looked at the numbers again with new eyes. What the hell? If this had happened back home in Canada, it would have all been free. Jason's health was still bad enough that he wasn't okay to leave the hospital, but every night was costing them $10,000 just to be in a bed. She said, we need to go. We need to get back home. And the doctor told her, Jason is not fit to fly. You need a form to be released, and there aren't any doctors who would do that in the condition that he's in right now. Sarah did her best not to think about the reality of her situation. As if it wasn't bad enough that her husband had a brain injury while he was likely fooling around. He didn't remember who she was. He was treating her horribly while she slept on a cot in the hospital. His alcoholism had landed them a bill that was over $200,000, and it was just going to keep climbing? She couldn't help but think that this was a scam to milk them out of more money, especially since the hospital had never even reached out to notify his family at all. There had to be a way out. She called her best friend crying. I don't know what to do. Her friend was a nurse and said, I think I have a solution. Let me make a few calls and get back to you. Sarah paced around the hospital as she waited to hear from her friend. An hour later, her phone rang. It was the call she'd been waiting for. 
Her friend said, All right, I know this is going to sound crazy, but there's only one way you're going to be able to get out of that hospital. You're going to have to charter your own helicopter. Sarah couldn't believe what she was hearing. Is that actually a thing? Her friend continued. I know of a company that will come pick you guys up in the middle of the night while the hospital has quieted down. You'll need to get a form signed, but it's not impossible if the doctor doesn't know what's going on. Sarah felt a surge of hope course through her veins. They needed this. They needed to get back home where the healthcare was free and where she had the support of her friends and family. She said, I love it. How do we make it happen? Her friend said, well, the catch is it's going to cost you $36,000 and it has to be made in one payment. $36,000? Who has that kind of money lying around? She did the math and realized real fast that paying for the helicopter would still be much cheaper than staying in the hospital any longer. But where would she get the money? She hung up the phone and sat down. She thought for a second, then logged into her online banking. She had some credit cards with room and some cash. She started moving things around and eventually she figured out a way to be able to pay the entire $36,000 in one payment, but just barely. She scheduled the helicopter and when she knew they were only 24 hours away from going back to Canada together, she decided that it was finally time to tell Jason exactly who she was. She said, every morning you've guessed who I am. I was hoping you'd remember on your own, but now that we're going back to Canada, I should tell you. We're married. His eyebrows furrowed like he wasn't quite seeing her properly. He said, what? She said, yeah. So we have a home and a life together back in Canada. He thought to himself for a brief second and then said, oh, really? It wasn't exactly the response she was expecting. The next day was the one they'd been waiting for. The helicopter was supposed to be touching down on the hospital landing pad at two in the morning. They were finally going to put an end to the mounting hospital bills that were now at 480,000 Canadian dollars. They'd finally have free health care and the family support that she needed. Once nighttime hit, Sarah gathered their belongings and focused on trying to find a doctor to sign the release form so that they could leave the hospital. She wanted it to be someone who didn't know their story because none of the other doctors would have signed for them to leave because Jason's health was still so volatile. Finally, at midnight, she found a doctor she didn't recognize. She invented a story about how she needed it signed, and he did it. What this meant, however, was that the care that they had been giving Jason stopped immediately. Now he'd have no pain meds, no breathing support, no bed to lie in, nothing until the helicopter arrived. It was the slowest hour of their lives. Jason was in so much pain and his motor skills were still off. So Sarah had to watch his every move. She was concerned about how he would do on the helicopter ride. But at this point, they had no other choice. They had to get home. And this was the only way it could happen. The helicopter touched down on the landing pad. She saw the nurse inside and breathed a sigh of relief. It was here. The wind blew her hair as she made her way across the landing pad. She helped Jason get inside, and then she climbed in. He was in so much pain, but happy that he was leaving the hospital and going back to Canada. Sarah reached over and held his hand as the nurse sedated him, and she looked out the window and watched as they lifted off the ground and Las Vegas slowly got farther and farther away. Oh, finally, after weeks of uncertainty, stress, and sleepless nights. She felt like a shell of herself. She was too exhausted to really appreciate the magnitude of what she'd just accomplished. This was some James Bond shit, and to think, she could have flown home any time on her own, but she was determined to find a way home for him. Him. 
the man who she loved, but now had no idea who she was. Honey, if you think this has been a wild ride, just wait until next week. We're going to be talking about what happened when they got back to a home Jason didn't recognize, what Sarah went through trying to help him heal from his brain injury, and the insane what the fuck moment that was enough for her to finally walk away. You're not going to believe it. I need to send out a giant thank you to Sarah for letting me share her story and thank you for pressing play. If you know anyone else who could use a little big lash energy in their life, could you pretty please share this show with them? I hear every time you do, Jason gets a bad case of the hiccups. It's true. Oh, and if you like these stories and appreciate the work that my team and I are putting into bringing you an episode each week, we'd be honored if you'd leave us a five-star review. Now, until next week, please go be your most fabulous self and don't forget to spread that badass big lash energy everywhere you go. Girl, you're like a superhero. I-